There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Substance, guys. This is an, it's an exciting week. It's another mm-hmm. guest podcast. Yeah. Our guest this week is Sam, who is the founder and creator of Teddy Locks. Mm-hmm. Teddy Locks is a sustainable recycled socks brand where you're wearing trash on your feet. Mm-hmm. Basically. Yeah. So the socks aren't recycled but they are made from recycled plastic bottles and each sock is like a bottle but she's gonna go into that for us to hear (laughs) yeah our our chat with sam was incredible she had so much enthusiasm for sustainability Mm -hmm. and and the cause then the ethos beside behind her brand and i think it's definitely one of those conversations where I feel like I've got, I'm staring in the face, my pile of recycling that I do recycle guys, don't worry. But like, I need to take that down to the recycling bin more. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you know, like it, it definitely me, makes me want to be a bit more conscious with what I'm recycling, making sure I'm just putting the right things in the recycling bin. And you know, different councils, you can't recycle different things. I think in my council, Mm-hmm. they tell us not to put glass in the recycling yeah yeah that'd be that, funny wasn't that one of the first things we learned we could recycle <laughs> I know so I know that happened in one of in like parts of Berkshire mm. but here where I live you can put everything in the bin but the recycling company don't like if you put the plastic bag that mm-hmm. you carry recycling down to in the bin and I'm like it's plastic though no everyone's got a different role yeah and so yeah so we go into that with sam but i really hope you guys enjoy this episode and we will link her website and all of that stuff for you to find her um so you can wear some some plastic bottles on your feet who Mm -hmm. doesn't want to do that Thank you so much for finding me and reaching out. I'm very happy. Yeah. <laughs> so um, you, I think your background from your website is TV and stuff like that. So what what made you take the shift into fashion? And then I want to know why socks? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a great question. I think most people ask me that. <laughs> um, well, actually, I studied marine biology. Wow. I'm a wildlife TV producer and I was working out of the Natural History Unit in Bristol and I worked for National Geographic and Science. Oh my God. And all the big (laughs) That's incredible. So when you ask why socks, everyone's like, you're absolutely crazy. You gave up the dream job. Why? Mm -hmm. Um, I'm sure there were pitfalls to it. So... (laughs) Well, so it wasn't so much about the job. It was so much about the mission that I wanted to build with Teddy Locks and the impact that I could hopefully have. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I got to do some really cool things and go to some really cool places. And no matter where I went, single-use plastic was a problem. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as my knowledge of plastic, waste, climate change grew over the last 10 years, I realized that um, personally I felt I needed to do more. Mm -hmm. And the media is amazing for getting out the message and for um, creating big campaigns. Obviously, David Attenborough has done a lot for that. And um, the guys at the Natural History Unit and the other other, uh, independent companies who have created content that has sparked conversation. And 
you know, generated change. Um, although just as a bit of a side note of that, I've been living in New York for the last four years and we just came back to the UK at the end of last year. Wow. And I was sort of expecting to come back to the supermarkets to like a plastic free environment. And oh. I, I was just so, so disappointed. And that's something that I sort of like contend with on a day to day basis. My poor husband, you know, there's a million piles of what has to go to the recycling center, mm. what, has to go, what can go outside and everything. Um, but anyway, so I was working on a job and I realized that even the most passionate of people are, um, you know, we're faced with convenience. Mm-hmm. And ultimately that takes over our decision making when something's easier, quicker, cheaper, um, it's there in front of you, it makes your life easier and you go for it. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, I need to do something about this. So I left, I was like, started just sort of the development, brainstorming side of things. And um, it wasn't that I left being like, I'm going to make socks, I'm going to do this thing. It was more like this progression into what became Teddy Locks. Yeah. That's the thing, because you touched on coming back to the UK and expecting to find some sort of like recycling utopia. And that was one of the questions I had for you, because I think genuinely there's a lot of um, willingness from people to want to recycle in general but the actual our mechanisms and our processes in this country it's like half of well most of our recycled stuff gets shipped over to another country to get burnt somewhere and it's like and then you've got like one council recycles differently from another council and there's so many like hoops to jump through when it comes to recycling in this country I think it holds us back from doing more that's my opinion yeah, the infrastructure globally isn't there and it's because building it is expensive to change mm. what we already have. Um, but supply and demand, you know, if we demand change and we show willing, mm. and willing, we will see change. It does happen. You know, organic food wasn't, you know, everywhere, wasn't in all the supermarkets. That was a very niche thing. Mm. People would have said that's like, you know, your hippie, your hippie market. And now it's your everyone market. It's in all of the chains, um, some more than others. So really, you know, we should expect to see, you know, less single-use plastic and more sustainable brands. Um, the statistic that, you know, only 1% of brands are sustainable really, like, <laughs> really blows yeah. my mind. And also, once you start in these circles, you discover more and more sustainable yeah. brands. So it becomes like, well, hang on a minute, I'm only seeing sustainable and ethical brands. How can that be so? Um, but that even when I'm, you know, on the consumer side of things and I look for something to buy, I'm exhausted before I've even started. You know, I go- today I was Googling, you know, a white sandals. I want them for a photo shoot. And all of the styles that I want are on ASOS. Mm. They're cheap price point. These shoes aren't going anywhere. No one's wearing them and I don't want to waste them. Mm. Um, but... I'm not going to buy from ASOS. I just can't. Like it goes against all of my principles. Mm -hmm. Um, So I ended up on Depop. But um, even that, I just, you know, I I sort of pulling my hair out, trying to navigate that that platform. (laughs) So trying to shop sustainably and ethically is just not straightforward enough right now. And um, to your earlier point, you know, the recycling system uh, we're just not there yet, but we will be. And the more demand that there is, the more change we will see. I actually did a blog, two blogs recently about this. So anyone who's interested in a bit finding more can look at the Teddy Locks blog. For sure. Amazing. Yeah, definitely. I think it's it's really difficult um, to find what someone's mission statement is on sustainability. It It should be more readily available on someone's website. I know that some people have started doing it and making it a bit easier to find but i one of um one of my friends wants to start a sustainable sporting brand mm. and in her research is just finding that no one's doing kind of that sustainable mission they might have a little tagline mm-hmm. but actually when you delve into that it's like the likes of an h&m saying like this is their target but you also know that mm. on the back end of that they maybe aren't meeting that target or um the other products they make don't do that target whatsoever and all of that kind of a thing it's like the mango committed section or the zara like 
for life for whatever they call it like for the love of the earth section (laughs) (laughs) and everyone's like come out with um a section of their main line which is 100% organic cotton and like you can choose to buy into those specific products but ultimately you're still feeding into this massive billion company that by and large is still just flogging a lot of um a lot of product yeah I mean in terms of sort of conscious collections there is definitely a school of thought that the big corporations are just greenwashing and that's purely Mm. even if they're using more sustainable materials they still are producing just copious amounts of volume Mm. Um, and anything that's produced en masse that's designed to be worn a handful of times is not sustainable definitely we've done quite a few episodes actually on fast fashion and the effects of that and how it's it's not a viable option and Mm -hmm. we've sort of been trained to want to buy into clothing that you only wear a few times whereas actually what I wear day to day I still wear clothes that I owned like 10 years ago oh my god same I have a t-shirt like why why do we think that's a thing yeah no and that was that was a big point a big um pillar for me with Teddy Locks was I wanted to create a product that people would continue to wear. So by having uh, styles that restock, mm-hmm. by um, having the socks sold as collections designed as sets. So we started out with mismatch sets and this idea really to try and plant the idea into people's heads that like if you lost a sock, it didn't matter. You you can buy yeah. a pop-up pair and you can replenish the sets that you already have. So you never end up just with one lonely sock that needs to be tossed. Mm. And that was a big deal for me. Then it was about the durability of the product. So making sure that the toes and the heels all reinforced, all of the yarns are incredibly durable. Um, and all of the yarns going into the sock are recycled in the first place, every single one. So there's actually five yarns in a sock. Actually, I should have posed the question, how many would you imagine there to be? Ooh. I mean, oh, I know that would have to be one for elasticity, <laughs> mainly because I used to work for a knitwear company. So yeah, that sense. But yeah, that's that's incredible. Um, on the question of your materials, how did you find sourcing sustainable materials? Because mm. I actually think that's where a lot of people, I mean, if you're creating a fashion brand right now, not that I'm a fashion business, um, I don't know hero but (laughs) my advice would be to make it sustainable that is the way that anyone starting a business these days it should be they should be Mm -hmm. aware of vegan leathers all of that stuff like the world is moving in this direction and the sooner we get on that train the better Mm -hmm. so but I know the hardest thing is finding sustainable items but also that are truly sustainable that Mm -hmm. don't just say that they are on the tin but actually you you follow their lifespan or their ju- the journey of how it's made and it truly is sustainable. So what was that like finding the re- raw materials? Challenge. <laughs> yeah. Um, so like you mentioned earlier, I have zero fashion background. I've never even worked as a shop assistant in, you know, a high street store. So um, although I did do textiles A-level, although I don't really think that. Oh, yes. <laughs> it was in there somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I on a button um no so it was very challenging and having no contacts in the industry as well wasn't very helpful um I did end up along the way meeting a handful of people who were starting the journey at the same time of me as me and a bunch of them um I'm still in touch with and that's been really helpful um but their experience coming in has been very different to mine you know they've either already know of uh, factories or someone of someone mm-hmm. who works with someone um And I didn't have any of that, unfortunately. And then, like you said, because of the materials that, you know, I was looking to use, um, it was about finding them and making them work for my product. At the time Mm. I started Teddy Locks, to my knowledge, there were no products like mine. So that was like a huge, a huge change. Um, Mm. And it took 404 days of development to get the socks ready to go. Wow. So there was a huge amount of research development back and forth, building the supply chain, building my connections. And, you know, my advice to anyone who's starting out doing this, if you're making a more conventional product, if you want to make 
t-shirts or something although I would um ask you to question why you're making another t-shirt but um if you come to the market with a product and you can find a factory that is already working sustainably you will be able to achieve it much more easily it will be a much Mm. smoother transition for you and they will do all the material sourcing for you with what I wanted to achieve is the smallest footprint of the socks possible so when I discovered that North Carolina is a bit of a hosiery epicenter, I was like, right, well, the socks have got to be made in North Carolina. You know, the, they're being sold in the U.S. Uh, initially. You know, I should be making them in the U.S. But, you know, you start, you know, trying to get in your foot in the door with the, the mills, the knitting mills. Mm-hmm. First of all, who is this crazy girl that wants to do this crazy thing? Second of all, you know, they've all had experience with startups and people who say they want to make socks. And actually, when I the first visit, I was there in one meeting. The guy had three different phone calls from people saying, hey, I want to make socks. And oh my God. You, you suddenly are in, you know, put your sho- yourself in their shoes. Mm. And realize that actually I'm just another call that's probably going to disappear. Although I didn't, <laughs> you know, somebody else looking for um you know, their time and effort. So anyway, um, I did get very lucky and got put in touch with a guy who worked at a spinning mill. And this was a huge game changer for me because as soon as I had his name and the spinning mill was willing to work with me, the other people came. You know, they'd heard there was therefore a reference. There was a bit of a cross check. Oh, Trevor says this or, you know, um, Doug says this or whatever. Um, So that was a really big deal. But the difference with Teddy Locks is that I work with everyone in the supply chain directly. Mm-hmm. Like I said earlier, if you wanted to go and make a T-shirt, normally you would say, hey, I want white organic cotton. They would go and source the material for you. They would make the pattern and they'd make the product. So you'd really mm-hmm. only be liaising with one person. Mm-hmm. I'm liaising with the spinning mill, the dye house, the knitting mill, the finishing and the packaging, and then all of the building, the packaging and everything as well. So it's a much... Um, more complicated way of doing things and mm. I have been advised by people to stop doing it that way but for me it ensures ethics mm. I know personally you know I'm they're on text message they're a phone call away I can email them I visit them um, and that's a really big deal to me making sure that the people that are working there even though it's in the US are working somewhere that they're happy being paid and um, you know in an environment that's safe for them I'm sure you guys know about the the situation that was going on in Leicester. So, oh yeah, <laughs> we yeah. discussed that. Yeah, and you know what? It is so true because I know that I've in the past on work trips I've visited factories, and you see the main factory that they want you to see, mm-hmm. and then you're sometimes none the wiser that actually the factory that you are using in Italy has sub factories maybe based in Turkey mm-hmm. and you then aren't seeing those conditions and also our products made in Italy um mm-hmm. how does that work and th- there's a lot more of a chain that yeah you if you have to put kind of put yourself in that ethical standpoint and it's quite hard I've had this kind of question with managers before when they wanted to start being more sustainable or not use fur or something like that. And I'm like, but if you start using the word sustainable, you have to really be ready to use it mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. if someone came to this company with a fine tooth comb, there's nothing sustainable about what we do because we aren't asking sustainable questions. Mm-hmm. So that's amazing that you, you've taken that upon yourself. Yeah. I mean, it was a really big deal for me to leave my job and I needed to make sure that, I stood behind the company that I was building and I started with it has to be 100% perfect. And then when I entered into it, I realized that unfortunately, all of the materials that are available on the planet right now are not perfect. Mm -hmm. There is pros and cons to all of them. And we also have to consider performance of a product. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to just make socks that, okay, make a good gift or they've got a good tagline or you're behind the mission. But if they fall apart or they're not comfortable to wear or they don't perform, you know it's just another thing in landfill so mm-hmm. one thing I'm super proud about with Teddy Locks is they are insanely soft and they hold up you know like my poor husband he's not allowed any new socks because the ones he's had for two years are still absolutely like new <laughs> that's really good because I mean 
socks is one of those things that we we can't live without we buy so many of them like for example with tights and other types of hosiery as well like we've discussed scarlet and i've discussed like we don't buy things from primark except if it's socks and if it's tights and that's just being honest about our spending habits because we know that you know after a few wears they're not going to look as great so I think with starting with like the essentials of someone's wardrobe is 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 a really good way to tackle like maybe some of the biggest wastage in our wardrobe potentially. Yeah, it's the most disposed of item in our wardrobe. Mm. So and on average we throw away 15 socks a year which means that we ultimately chuck out 30 socks a year because mm. most people yeah. don't I am well below this statistic although I, so. I must admit I was you wear getting- holy socks. No, I take good care of my socks. <laughs> I take good care of my socks. But the problem is, um, I now I love a lot. I I love some characteristic socks. I'll tell you that. Yeah. But I'm do. kind of getting to a point where I'm like, I never wear them because they're not practical. And if I'm not even wearing them, and I'm not leaving the house, like these socks have to go. But now I feel like yeah. I need to hang on to them. <laughs> <laughs> We interrupt this broadcast to remind you, go follow us on Instagram, starloversubstancepod. Shoot us an email, starloversubstancepeak at gmail.com. Find us on YouTube, find us on Twitter. We've got all the links on our Instagram. You know what to do. I think most people think of sort of like undergarments and socks as you know something nobody else would want yeah Uh, they are desperately needed so if you do gather your socks your partner's socks your friends and family socks make sure you contact either like a local shelter or organization they they will want them I guarantee you Mm. do not just throw them out I've got a bag in my (laughs) cupboard ready to to go to home yeah yeah because to be honest I carried that belief that certain charity shops or shelters as you said wouldn't accept it so that's quite that's good to know you know yeah I mean definitely reach out beforehand um Mm -hmm. a lot of you know high street charity shops shop fronts they will go through their products and they will separate them out and they'll have partners so if a Mm -hmm. garment good enough it will go to a recycling partner Mm -hmm. but definitely you know make some calls when it comes to socks and it really won't it probably wouldn't take you very long like google your area local shop and you'll probably find somewhere that would um, that would want them. Yeah, and so you were talking about, and I think, unfortunately, for people even starting out in any aspect of fashion, mm-hmm. it is. I I definitely experienced this that there's a really unfortunate side of it's about who you know, and I'm someone who's like, well, that shouldn't have to be the case, but a hundred percent is an industry where you flourish so much more with your connections so how have you felt found building that up and what was sort of your experience of doors being maybe shut on you because you hadn't yet met your your spinning friends <laughs> <laughs> yeah from a, from a supply chain manufacturing point of view it was you know it was a difficult six to eight months um building that and it made a huge difference getting on the plane from new york to north carolina showing you know that I was serious Mm -hmm. going to meeting after meeting staying in what I would describe as like murder motels (laughs) oh my god (laughs) um especially in the states like (laughs) truly (laughs) um but you know that has also meant that I have really good relationships with them and it is a personal relationship rather than just someone on the end of an email um Aside from just the manufacturing point of view, now building the brand. Um, so the Kickstarter went live. Um, I have to think of my years. This year's 21. <laughs> At the end of 2019. Mm-hmm. And it's 200% funded in half the time that the that's really good. The project was up, which was unbelievable and really, really exciting to know that, you know, your product, you know, there's proof of concept. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was going to ask, how has it been for you since launching? What's the market like been for you in the States? And kind of where do you see it going as a, as a, um, a concept where all the items essentially in our wardrobe could be from recycled plastic bottles essentially it's not something we think of but most of our clothing is already plastic anyway <laughs> so so it um, might be good it might, might as well be well good be, plastics yeah yeah um how's the initial the impression that people have been getting from your product and your welcome and where do you see it going yeah so um once I launched I was already nine months pregnant so that was oh. <laughs> you know intense deciding to have a baby and then you know your business child born at basically exactly the same time oh and then just throw in a global pandemic right when Mm. you literally just launched your website (laughs) um so that sort of first four months I would say was you know it was tough mentally and there was a lot of you know every Thursday I pretty much have had a breakdown set a goal on Monday haven't achieved it by Thursday feel like a failure repeat Mm. um so, and, you know, I think it's important to be honest about those things, especially in a year that it's just been for everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, you see a lot of these memes, like just getting dressed is an achievement. So yeah. um, that was sort of the first half of the year. And then this year in the end of last year, we did a really cool collaboration with an influencer called Abby on the Internet. And that was a really big success. Oh, great. Oh, yeah. I follow her. Oh, great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so we launched uh, she designed some socks and we launched those that's under- incredible and they sold out so that was brilliant and then you know off the back of that you have other people who are saying oh I love these socks tagging these socks and you know you're starting to get a bit of traction I think mm-hmm. when you're starting from zero and you don't have any contacts mm-hmm. it is very hard and it is small small steps mm-hmm. and I think the to put the positive spin on that is that you you have time to adjust you have time to make corrections improvements you know, whether it's something on the website or whether it's like your email template or the products that you're creating. And that definitely has been a big thing, actually, like that first year in operation, receiving the feedback, um, seeing what's popular and then Mm -hmm. new styles coming out, which will probably be out in three weeks from now, um, you know, catering to the demand. Mm -hmm. And obviously fast fashion does that on a much quicker scale they'll do that in three days but this is slow fashion this is you know materials sourced colors you know Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. planning you know off the back of feedback so that's really exciting for me and then you know for me now it's about getting those on the feet of people who care and want to make a difference and you know the great thing about socks is really sorry actually I should attach this to one of your earlier questions like why socks Mm nearly all of us wear socks mm-hmm. there's no reason that um we can't all be making a small sustainable swing mm. socks. you know I am aware that the price point of teddy locks is not the same as Primark mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. I think that you know the people who have invested in teddy locks will see that they will last you mm-hmm. yeah. like I said I haven't thrown out a single sock and um I had mine back in 2018 so you know, I want, you know, maybe it's bad business. <laughs> maybe, maybe. No, no, it's not. Because we've actually discussed this quite a lot with brands where they aren't trying to plug you to continually rebuy. And they're actually, they'll they'll restore. There's lots of brands that they're about quality, mm-hmm. but it means that their customer base is far more loyal. And it's kind mm-hmm. of, it's um like a business savvy in a different way of like, yeah, okay, maybe they're not going to come back because their product runs out but like they'll get it for their friend or they'll get it like it's that Mm. it's a different thing um and it's a different relationship I think with socks as well when you look at other brands like stance socks I don't know if you know them and they've had these massive collaborations and they're expensive as well they're like 12 pounds a pair for just a pair not even a pack and you know they have people who are passionate buying their product because they the design is there and so I think there is definitely still a market for people who want, you know, something cute to wear with their shoes, but want to do it in a way where they feel like they're not contributing to the problem at the very least. So, yeah, I think it definitely still works. I mean, I love personally, like, 
you know, it can be very hard to picture that a sock was once a plastic bottle. Mm. And it really was a plastic bottle. And one of our crew socks is one plastic bottle. And it's oh. like visual to just sort of see like, oh, right. That went from that to so that. So it was in a pair or a single sock? One single sock is one bottle. So you can almost picture like, you know, the bottle being unwound. Mm. Yeah. Um, that, that's, an, that's a video you've got to try and create. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> animators out there who want to get yeah <laughs> yeah I mean I think um the message you know our tagline is our socks are trash and mm-hmm. I get lots of feedback being like whoa that really hit me when I landed on the website like why would you speak about your clothes like that that took me a minute to swallow and maybe again that's a bad thing but you know shocking someone into thinking about you know their choices and mm-hmm. whether they want to get on board with something. I think that's quite exciting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you think you spend a, a lot of time like educating people on not just what you're offering, but um, the wider implications or did you know that this is made from this? Do you think you spend a lot of energy having to explain? Initially that was kind of like my main, main focal point in terms mm-hmm. of like all my marketing exercises and um covid might be the reason for the shift but people just can't handle any more negativity so mm. you know, images of you know turtles being entangled and things like that it's it's powerful and important messagery but um when it comes to the socks it isn't the avenue that we're going to be going down anymore mm. much more about you in control of your choices the positive impact that you're having the low footprint that you're having Mm -hmm. and you know this is a product that you're going to be buying anyway Mm -hmm. buy buy better you know Mm -hmm. and I I think people are really responding to that and it's great for me because you know it's happy the colors the brand colors are all very happy yeah so it's much more sort of in line with with the brand to yeah. talk about it in a positive way. And people really respond to the personal stories and the people behind the brand. So knowing that, you know, Renee and Terry and Tana are behind the knitting mill. You know, how cool is that that you know? Mm. Yeah, yeah. And I think also like your point you touched on about people being over negativity, I think it's a really... I think it's a really great way for people to rethink a way of spinning rather than guilt tripping people into being like, look, this is a lovely turtle and they're caught in this. Mm. It's like, how can you flip that and try and make someone feel good? Like it's a good conscious thing rather than, gosh, I need to do something about that, which of course Mm. we do, but a way of sort of trying to be like, hey, this saved like two plastic bottles Mm -hmm. from the ocean just by these this pair of socks and finding like that like lift rather than the sort of like, I'm terrible, I've helped like, you know. And I I think fashion in the time of like COVID and all of that has been escapism for people. I mean, before we might have been more conscious, well, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to try and hold back on things that I know are bad practice. And I think us being at home, if anything, has allowed us to be a bit more gluttonous. And like, I need something to make me feel better by any means necessary. So yeah. It's amazing really. They thought that, you know, everything would shut down, people wouldn't spend money. Mm. But yeah, everybody's at home, more packages than ever before. Yeah, I saw something that bookshops have had like, had their best year last year than they had in sort of 10 years. Because obviously like with the likes of, I guess, Amazon and Kindles, but people physically were reading books and also buying into bookshops because... Yeah, buying small and... Because we all know Jeff has enough. He has enough. Yeah, he knows he has enough money. Um, <laughs> that, that touches on another point in the idea of packaging because like fashion is one thing, but we've seen in the past year and however many months that we have more packaging and boxes coming through our front door more than ever. Um, even if we are shopping local, not through any like, can't, there's not much we can do about it right now, but I think fashion has to tackle that packaging issue as well, just as much as what their product is physically made from. So how has that been for you? That was definitely something at the early stages. I was just like, I'm not one of these people that needs the tut. I'm just like, I want the product. I'm excited. Mm. About the product. 
but I'm also very aware that people love brand experience and they feel like for a moment that they've been a part of something you know what's this and what's that and that kind of thing so it's extremely streamlined and everything is already 100% recycled that comes huge cost Mm. um for the for a business but it was really really important to me you know so the envelopes, the tissue paper, the stickers, the shipping labels, absolutely everything is 100%, not even 90%. You know, the amount of people that have tried to say to me, oh, yeah, but we've got this one. It's 30%. No, 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 It's yeah. 100%. We're going to need to source it. We're going to need to find it. Mm. Um, you know, challenging because people aren't used to those requests. Yeah. But like we said before, you know, demand will, you know, change supply. Yeah. So that is a really big deal for me. There's absolutely no plastic in the packaging. One of the beauties of being in the US and shipping in the US is that we don't have to deal with um international shipments being in plastic. That's a you know a big hurdle for brands. You know, Patagonia talk about it openly. It's like they have trialed shipping their products without the plastic and they found that the damage to the products mm-hmm is worse than the amount of plastic mm. that they're generating. Um, and then we have inventory in the UK as well, and we do ship globally. And all of that, you know, when you're doing it directly from business uh, to consumer, I can eliminate the plastic, which, you know, is a great thing about being a small and independent independent brand is you can be nimble and mm. you can start off where you want to be. You know, mm. a lot of big brands now have got to retrace and change yeah. their supply chains. Start yeah. as you mean to go on. Mm-hmm. exactly exactly so um, I love that and also the only you haven't got plastic in your packaging the only plastic is in the socks I know it's kind of really true <laughs> scholars reaching for a new job <laughs> yeah. look at this plastic free you know, product which it is um but then you know just with yeah. the, we saved some plastic you know really important <laughs> to me, like, that the whole model is about being recycled mm-hmm. and we've been working on a take back scheme trying to recycle old socks Mm. haven't had a single sock (laughs) that's needed to be recycled so this is kind of like this amazing but um that's going to be a slow slow initiative thankfully which is a good thing right yeah for sure yeah I mean so far we've recycled 10,000 plastic bottles which feels like a huge achievement and I mean I think it is more than that now and then it's about 1500 pounds of waste saved from landfill Wow. So what are you looking to kind of what's the next thing that you have on the horizon with Teddy Locks? So we have these new styles coming out in a couple of weeks from now, which I'm really excited about. Um still really fun colours. We've got, <laughs> you know, your really trendy athletic socks that everyone loves, the ribbed crew socks, mm-hmm. um, quarter length socks, and you know, colours are available in two sizes, and the whole point of one of the other things with the brand is um they're unisex they're socks they don't need to be gendered mm-hmm. yeah so we've made all of our colorways two sizes so whether it's light purple or dark gray you know mm-hmm. it's up to the consumer the wearer what color they want to wear mm-hmm. i'm really proud of that um because a lot of businesses wouldn't embark on that because you know that's another investment but, mm-hmm. you know i want the brand to be you know for everyone for everybody to be able to enjoy you know stamping out single-use plastic you know walking down the street thinking oh yeah you know I've got plastic bottles on my feet but you know I'm looking forward to trying to get a few more collaborations going and yeah then you know trying to get in more stores we're in six stores last year sold out of a bunch in at Brooklyn in New York three times over which is again so good yeah I think like something like a, a new product a new brand it's so good to be able to see it and feel it in person yeah and right now, with the climate that we're all in and online shopping, I think that is a barrier to people being introduced to mm-hmm. new brands. So I think that the stores that are able to, you know, show product in real life, I think, mm-hmm. you know, they're successful. Yeah. And especially for a, a brand like yours, which is just starting out and still so new, these stores give you a level of legitimacy for people who are maybe skeptical about plastic socks and things like that or recycled socks it kind of gives customers a way to be like oh okay this is acceptable we all have that like unconscious 
thought that goes through our head like oh this is new um should I buy them and these stores by saying this is what we have to offer really kind of allows people to bypass that thought and just like be like yeah this is something I can buy into Mm -hmm. yeah I do think that that's really important that touch point you're real you know everything's online people are worried about scams um and also I think um you know, you don't always know to search for somebody online, but if mm. you catch a glimpse of something on the side and, you know, even if there's like a, a clever display, it's the same with kind of um, reusable cups or things like that. Sometimes you need to have that in your face to remember that you need that and, you know, that that's even an option to buy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I mean, to to your earlier comment about, you know, these are socks made from plastic bottles and being doubtful. Mm. It was the first thing that most of my family said when I was, you know, I was losing my job, you know, my career was, you know, being put aside that career anyway, and that I would be making socks from plastic bottles. Everybody said, well, that doesn't sound very comfortable. Are they going to be like squeaky? Are they going to (laughs) be crunchy? Like, you know, they sound horrible. And it was just something that I was just like, well, I'm not going to make a horrible product. And 440 (laughs) days of development definitely have not ended up with one. And, you know, it's still evolving. We still uh, alter, tweak things, make improvements. I think we always will. And I think that's really exciting. But um, in terms of the experience wearing them, they've never been anything but softer than cashmere. Yeah. And I think people don't realise that, uh, most of the fabrics, the viscose, the polyesters, the all these things we having, like I don't know, my cardigan. It looks fluffy and chunky and warm and things, but I'm pretty sure most of it is derived from plastic. And people don't often make that connection. You know, we're already mm. living in that sort of product. Uh, what you're doing is, it's coming from a recycled resource already. You know, so and it's education. You know, like. Um, we've spoken about this a lot on previous episodes of our podcast that um, I think a lot of the problem when it comes to consumers and fast fashion is knowledge you know like it I remember even 10-15 years ago um, Stella McCartney was kind of like a name where like people sort of laughed at it a bit that why would oh, you spend that much money for yeah, something yeah why would like leather someone? made out of an apple like uh, like all of this stuff and now it's something where like I I don't personally hear that kind of like backlash or anything like that. She's just, she's Stella McCartney and like she gets taken much more seriously because veganism and sustainability is a much more like topical like problem that people want to solve. So Mm -hmm. I think sometimes it's just education that like, people probably don't even know that some of their clothes are made out of plastic. Let's be honest. Like people Mm. just don't know that. So, um, and also it's amazing what you can do with yarns. Yeah. And the thing is you do need a team behind you. You have to have people willing to do it. And um, Mm -hmm. it has been something that's come up in my supply chain. They'll say to me, well, you know, you're working with, you know, you're working with trash. What do you expect? And you're like, mm. no, 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 no. Like they just haven't got their head around it. You know, they've been in the sock industry mm. for 40 years and they just, they, they're not, even though they're a part of it, they're not quite ready to be a part of it. They're sort of going along with it. Just like yeah. what's happening right now. But, um, you know, shout out to all of the manufacturers that are getting on board with it and embracing these new technologies because it isn't easy, mm-hmm. you know, um, the machinery that exists right now is designed for other fibers. So there is a transition period. There is a learning period. And, mm-hmm. you know, I have to say my knitting mill are incredibly patient and, you know, there's I bet a- they love the challenge. <laughs> I, bet, I bet they don't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure how to answer that. I think they love being a part of it. And I think they love seeing um, the outcome and people being on board with it and the growth. And, you know, they're a family run business. I'm a female owned business. And mm-hmm. I think they love all of that. And I think they enjoy knitting them when, you know, it's a bit quieter, but when I'm making all sorts of perfection requests. <laughs> I think they would, uh, you know, they'd much rather it was on a different day. But 
that's why you know they those guys you know they they need credit for the amount of um effort and time that they put into the product as well you know ultimately they're the people behind them as well you know it's not just me mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah I think it's great that you still seem to have so much excitement when you talk about it over a year on that you're still sort of so buzzed about the product I think that's not always easy because having like you said I'm, I'm sure there's still the Thursday breakdowns every now and then <laughs> but I think that's like that's where the passion like carries you through no it's really you know that's really fair point and you know my husband you know has been dragged along through this experience and he has said those kind of things before you know like you have to love it you have to be passionate otherwise you know it's just it's a hell of a lot of hard work you know I work most evenings until 11 o'clock at night now my daughter's in nursery so I can do three work days as well as the evenings you know it's it's been a real juggle and then now I have the time difference to contend with as well so um yeah you have have to really want to do it and I do and I think the big campaigns before Christmas for shop local and shop small I was just so grateful for that and I'm so pleased that people are thinking about those decisions maybe in the convenience maybe in the oh god I forgot so and so you know people are rushed you know still ending up on Amazon or ASOS or price point is alienating them but Mm -hmm. the more conversations we have about that the more bookshops that are going to remain open and the more small businesses are going to thrive and you see it all the time well I see other small businesses make these remarks as well but like every time you get an order it is the biggest adrenaline rush and the biggest excitement that you could feel you know somebody else is buying into this somebody else believes in this somebody else wants to share your passion and your mission with you and wants to make a difference and that's why I'm here doing it you know I didn't start going oh do you know what I want to make a business I want to be a billionaire mm-hmm. it was, mm-hmm. I want to make a difference I want to save the planet <laughs> yeah I don't sure. think anyone who seeks out to be a billionaire becomes one <laughs> positive affirmations I guess so I need to keep saying one billion plastic bottles one billion (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly so I've only got um just one more question really and it's to get your view on what do you think is the biggest attitude change or thing that we have to change as a society that will really get us moving away from our our love of like the boohoos of the world because there's lots of people out there we all know about you know people being uh, underpaid we all know about climate change we all know about the waste and our overconsumption of all kinds of things but we like as a as a country let's say we're still really into boohoo.com and we mention them a lot on our podcast <laughs> <laughs> And we're, we're gonna not, get we're not the biggest fans of it, but one we're gonna get sponsor us, I'm sure of it. <laughs> um but just in general, what do you think is gonna give people that kind of seismic shift in their fashion spending choices? Sorry to be so philosophical at this time of night. <laughs> no, I love the question, but um being given only one thing to say is hard. Oh, you don't <laughs> oh, have to sorry. Say um, I think if you're talking about it from the consumer's side, mm-hmm. I can speak about from my personal experience. I probably did 18 months where I didn't buy a single thing when I was building Teddy Locks. I was really like deep in the research, deep in the, the, the issues, and I just didn't buy anything. And let's be clear, I was very much uh, like I'd gone huge shopping sprees. I shopped the high street. I shopped online. Mm-hmm. For consumers, it needs to be more accessible. We mm-hmm. need your big eco-friendly marketplaces. They're cropping up at Teddy Locks. Like we get approached all the time by people who are starting um, building marketplaces for eco-friendly brands. I commend that. I love that. But they are just not being found. Mm. Um, you know, to be page one of Google, you've got to compete with ASOS to be there. Um for me, once I'd done that huge cleanse, I started to realize how many items of clothing I had and I don't throw anything out either so I would have that's the thing isn't it you just add and add and add (laughs) right um I started to value those items wait for those items to need to be passed on I did a lot of donating um and then I was like okay 
now where am I going from here what's going to excite me Mm. and I started like choosing the items that I really really wanted and because I'd paid a little bit more for them I actually got a bigger kick Mm. because now it was something I really needed to look after my dog who is asleep next to me here oh um, (laughs) He he gets me very muddy on a day-to-day basis and I'm so fed up of wearing, you know, the hoodie and the comfies that, Mm. you know, I got excited about this new pair of trousers that I bought. They're really bright, light coloured. And I was like, no, I'm going to wear them walking the dog. I got so covered in mud, but I cared about them so much that I hand washed every speck of mud off of them before I put them in the washing machine because I would just dread to think that they would get stained and they wouldn't be brand new. And I think maybe as consumers if we see each piece as like a journey and a story and an investment and something that we're proud to walk in like if someone says to us oh, I like your your top you can say oh my god this is made by this lady who knits this by hand and it's mm. you know yarns that she's unraveled from other jumpers it's so cool you should check it out you know that that's an ongoing buzz rather than just like oh yeah I bought it from online Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'll get another one next week so I think if we can shift our mentality about why we love the the products the clothes that we're choosing um we will start to see a shift but unfortunately I don't I'd love fast fashion to disappear but um I don't think it's going to disappear it might slow down but I don't think it will disappear unfortunately mm-hmm, mm-hmm. wow Thanks so much. This was we so want to end on a positive note. Uh, no, we don't. <laughs> we want to shame everyone. We, yeah. <laughs> Into questioning their life choices. Yeah. <laughs> but despite despite all the doom and gloom, it was a really interesting conversation we had with you, Sam. Thank you so much for kind of filling us in with everything you're doing, your viewpoints and everything and kind of educating us a little bit more I mean we're kind of lucky in that we kind of seek this sort of information to some extent and because we record every week um but for those of our listeners who are maybe not as exposed to this sort of information but and also for just being such a lovely person thank you so much (laughs) for taking the time to come on our podcast thanks much appreciated yeah thank you no I I do think it's really great to chat and I love that there are more people talking about this stuff. And I do think that that opens doors for, you know, both brands and consumers. And I think that's really exciting. And, you know, hopefully as 2021 progresses, we will see uh, more of a conscious shift. Mm -hmm. Maybe we'll slow down just a little bit and, you know, maybe half the planet will be in Teddy Locks. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.